What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a Rangers pick basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by my man Tim, a.k.a. Cranchus McBasketball, a.k.a. founder of the B-Ball Index, which, Tim, we will be featuring prominently here in our midseason review show, uh, going through all the player profiles that you and your many talented, awesome people helped put together Um so just want to start there with a like shouts to you guys for, you know, I remember when a lot of this idea for this started started and, and you started aggregating this stuff. And it's just so fun to see how far you've gone, you know, with the badges and the, the top talent areas and they highlight the, the top strengths for players. And, and even like the king emoji and like the little poop emoji when they're like hundredth and zeroth percentile, all the little fun kind of accoutrement, if you will, that you guys have added over the years have made it a really like intuitive and interactive uh, spreadsheet, man. So, so really well done stuff there. I, I got to open with that. Thank you, Tom. I, I really appreciate that. And it's actually just me and Krishna Narsu. That is the team right now. Uh, and getting everything set up certainly took a little bit. I know over this past off season, we had like last year's player profiles, but getting 2013 through two seasons ago set up took a bit. And now that we have, you know, a season happening and games are happening every day, uh, we've had to figure out ways to like scrape like literally like hundreds and hundreds of stats every single day wow. on a t in a timely way and then manipulate them in the right ways and then pull to the profiles seamlessly and we finally gotten to that point so i you're gonna see more and more of me using these us using these on the pod um if you follow the b-ball index twitter account more from that um from a content standpoint but yeah these are hopefully a really good resource for people as you've said, we've added more and more over time. I think I've, and even like this old, this podcast, what it used to be a couple of years ago to now, I think learning not just the numbers, but how to communicate the numbers in an yeah. effective way through audio, through what we actually have on spreadsheets or on the pages on the website, all that stuff has certainly been a journey and the feedback from people and just seeing what works and what doesn't work has been a big help there. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, we have like little poop emojis if you're last place, little crown emojis if you're first place. I know like AD and LeBron, they might have some of those crown emojis left and right. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to dig into these because we on this pod have been very focused on the granular details. The here's what's happening in this game. Here's why we won. Here's why we didn't win. Here are the plays we ran. Here's like somebody yeah. shooting for the past three games. We're going to take a step back. 
And with this, we are going to look bigger picture at that first half of the season, decent sample size, and try to get a sense for, all right, well, what roles have guys been in? How are they doing in those roles? What could be better? And, and also thinking towards the playoffs, who right now is playing, you know, where we need them to be, who maybe shouldn't be in that playoff rotation that we thought might be at the beginning of the season. So I'm excited to do like a mid-year review, like like you're stepping in my the manager office, like they're, <laughs> they're talking to Rob, they're talking to Frank, and they're going over, you know, now that we have a break, here's where you've been, here's what needs to happen for that second half. And we talked about some of those team goals last pod. This pod is really going to be at that player level, and I'm excited to dig in. So who do you want to start with for this one? Yeah, and just, let's start with LeBron because he is the you know heart and soul of this team. But for all the listeners out there, if you haven't, you know, go to bball-index.com. You can compare players. You can, like you said, look up through the years. Uh, what's so great about this, Tim, is there are a lot of answers in here if you're if you're you know, decoding some of the data the right way. And, and yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of information, but tracking the trends and seeing what works and what doesn't and comparing that with your eye tests, you know, going in with, you know, I had this feeling and we'll get to them in a bit about KCP. I'm like, man, KCP's not getting the, the same open shots that I feel like he was to start the year. And I look at his mm -hmm. openness rating and it just sucks. You know, he's taking all of his shots, like, somewhat contested. We'll get to that. But all these things that it's not just confirming what you uh, thought you might see, but giving you additional context to maybe why it's happening or or maybe the places that it's good, actually, but the places that it's bad, too. So saying all that, let's jump here into LeBron James. He is our point guard on offense, of course, our power forward on defense. Uh, his top talent areas are playmaking, finishing, perimeter shooting, post play. So let's dive into some of that. But first, his usage, one of the highest in the league, 99th percentile true usage. Usage rate, 98th percentile. Offensive load, 99th percentile. Obviously, he is still one of the most important heliocentric factors in any offense in the league today in year 18. So just shouts to LeBron. That's an incredible just kind of overview of this guy is doing everything for the team in the way that guys like a Luca or, you know, other guys that are, you know, 15 years is his junior that are doing and LeBron still having great success. But let's kind of start for me with uh, go diving into like some of those post and ISO situations that we've seen a lot from Bron this year. So in isolations, he has a lot of them, right? He gets total isolations of se per 75 possessions, 98th percentile, 8.8. .8. His effectiveness in it is pretty good. He's got a good effective field goal percentage in it, 73rd percentile. He's drawing fouls, which is promising, but he's turning the ball over as well. But he's perimeter ISOing 58% of the time compared to 42. And so I wanted to ask you quickly, Tim, if you could clarify this, how do you dis differentiate between the post ups, which is its own, uh, you know, the post play or is there overlap between that? And, and basically what I'm breaking down is you have this stat that breaks down. How much does he ISO on the perimeter versus how much does he ISO in the post? So does some of the, the post numbers there line up with the post play box that you have uh, down lower? They do. They do. And I, I think this is one section of the player profiles. I actually want to make some tweaking and, and because the post play is its own thing and we have some numbers there. One-on-one -on -one play, what I tried to do with this was 
really look at all of it, not just perimeter isolations. Because when you're posting up a lot of times, and maybe not for the Lakers because they're facing a bunch of extra help, but most of the time it's like a one-on-one situation, just a little bit closer to the basket, a lot of times with your back to the the basket. Um, So I wanted to group all of that together because that'll give us a good sense for, like if someone is going one-on-one and this is really organized by skill set, how are they doing it? That's that 58% perimeter, 42% post breakdown you talked about. How effective are they? Um, I, I tried to combine it for the purposes of this. And actually, because LeBron is he, – he's been really good in the post. From his perimeter isolations, he hasn't been so hot. Yeah. And because a lot of his post game is geared towards that, his actual total isolation impact per 75 possessions, which is about per game uh, offensively, is actually a little bit below average. It's not good. Um, yeah, it's not good, but his post impact has been really strong, and we can talk about some of the post numbers. So that is something that, just looking at this, stands out to me. He's getting a ton of one-on-one opportunities, like you said. His effective field goal percentage is pretty good. His turnover rate's a little high. He's drawing fouls at a pretty good rate. Um, but because he's not succeeding well on those perimeter isolations, that overall impact is not exactly where you'd like it to be. Yeah, no, that's why I brought it up, because his post play you know, is... Total post frequency is 17% of his plays, 86 percentile. Um, he's, you know, post up impact per 75 possessions. He's up in 94th percentile. You know, he's getting uh, he's getting fouled there. You know, 16% of that 17% of the time. You know, so he's he's doing well in the post and passing out of the post as well. It's just I wanted to differentiate because, yeah, that total ISO impact is not good. So I wanted to try and unpack that more. And maybe, Tim, that leads us into his perimeter shooting. Right. And the kind of three point shots he takes out of those perimeter isolations. And I so I'm looking at the bigger picture for for three point um He's not open. He's taking these shots most of the time. Uh, where is it? On pull-ups. You know, he's t- two out of three shot uh, threes he ever takes, you know, 63 to 37% are pull-ups. And that's him jacking it in front of somebody as they maybe go under the pick and roll. Or maybe he's just you know, like low shot clock, you know, has mm-hmm. to throw up a grenade. But his three-point shot quality is f- an F, fifth percentile. You can't get much lower, right? His openness yep. rating, F, ninth percentile. Percentage of three-point attempts open, F, 15th percentile. So I feel like those factor into each other. And I don't know, it, like he's still not shooting poorly. He's 35.8% on pretty good volume. And he's shooting about the same percentage in almost every above the break. Catch and shoot, pull-ups, quarter. You know, he's very consistent from three, kind of no matter what the situation, but... I, I don't know. What do you unpack from kind of the perimeter shooting and how it plays into the post play? Yeah, so I look at his perimeter shooting t- report card, basically. And at the top, you see the percentages, like you said. He's got a, a B minus overall three-point percentage, B plus for pull-ups, a C for catching and shooting, a B for above the break threes, a B plus on corner threes, but on low volume. And we have a little indicator for that. He's taking them on really high difficulty. They're not open. When they're contested, they're more heavily contested than a lot of other players. They're further out than 89. His average three-point distance is further out than 89% of players. Like you said, it's a lot of pull-ups. It's a lot above the break. So that means his overall shot quality, when we look at that metric, which is a combination of all these things along with if he's moving or stationary on his shots, is really low. 
And looking at that, looking at his like B minus three point percentage, that adds more context than if you just look at his three point percentage by itself and just say, all right, well, he's he's okay. He's all an okay three point shooter. In reality, he's a very good three point shooter. His three point shot making grade is an A minus 86th percentile. He's been very good hitting threes. They've just been crazy hard, which means which results in that lower percentage. And there are some guys that are in like the 99th percentile for three-point shot making, like a Steph Curry, a Dame Lillard, they're taking crazy hard shots and they're still getting really good three-point percentages. But you're going to see guys like Luka or LeBron who are good shot makers, not quite at that same top tier level. And that's okay, but that's why you see the lower percentages than you might want to assume their talent level is. And this kind of helps you gauge that. Um, When we look at his three-point shot creation, this is another metric we have, and it's looking at how often LeBron's creating his own threes. He's in the 99th percentile. So it's not like, like he's not being spoon-fed difficult shots. He's creating difficult shots. And I think going into the year, we were hoping for, a little bit of an easier profile for him in this area. You know, we, t- we talked about, you know, uh, Marcus Saul and his passing and bringing in a guy like Schroeder, bringing in Montrez Harrell, who can attract some of the defense's attention. Maybe Wes Matthews can be a ball mover. That hasn't quite panned out. And that this is the result of that. So even though he's having a pretty good year, the percentages aren't where you'd love because the quality is really, really low. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of wrapping up a couple categories and, case uh this shocks you tim he is in like basically like 80th or above percentile in every single playmaking category i mean a a minus a a a a minus a minus a a a all the way down efficiency versatility high value assists you know three point makes uh free throw assists rim assists 98th percentile I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm unpacking a whole lot. LeBron he, is the offense. He's really good. <laughs> he's really good. He's yeah. getting shots for people and in, in almost every kind of way, you know, potential assists, the passing creation volume. It's just he's doing everything for this team and doing it still uh, to a high degree. So, mm-hmm. of course, good there. Finishing, maybe he's dropped off a little in comparison to other years, but still like A, B plus A, A minus A, B minus B, B minus B, you know, still above average in every category in finishing, um, except slightly his drive pass outs are slightly below where I think – you know, the efficiency there than that we would expect from a LeBron team. You think that's the lack of shot making or is that a LeBron specific thing? Yeah, this is one where the shot making, I think, impacts him a little bit. Yeah. The The pass out rate itself is a B minus and that's good. That's that's in a, a little happy range. You don't want it to be really low because that means he's not seeing the floor. You don't want it to be crazy high because that probably means he's not pressuring the defense enough and has to pass out. He's in he's kind of where we want him to be. The assists per pass out on his drives is what we're talking about here and he's in a b minus range so he's been better in the past and i think he's certainly capable of being better but this is one of those stats that isn't just on him uh it has to do with those teammates as well and when you're underperforming as much as the lakers are especially on threes they're in like i think they're 27th in the league in three-point shot making right now that is going to mean that he's going to get some fewer uh, assists than he otherwise would. But by looking at those playmaking stats back at that playmaking section, we know he's getting really high quality looks for teammates from that 97th percentile passing creation quality. So I I look at this stat that you're pointing out in the finishing and I say, eh, I think there's some context 
here that's impacting that. But in the ones that matter for f- finishing, getting to the rim, he has an A grade. Finishing at the rim, he has an A grade. Um, his contact finish rate, you know, yeah. all those all those flex after the whistle, the yeah. ball goes through the bucket. We're getting and ones. We're not taking two shots. He's uh, in the 92nd percentile, A grade there. So he's doing really well in a lot of the areas that matter. It's not 98th, 99th percentile for everything like it may have been in the past, but it's still at a very, very high caliber rate. Um, and, and I think this year we are seeing LeBron physically a little bit. He's not who he used to be, but his IQ is there and he's still at a top tier level in enough of these skill sets that overall his impact is still doing pretty well. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And, you know, on those drives, Tim stands out to me, 9% of the, those, the time, uh, is his drive foul drawn rate, which feels low to me considering LeBron James, uh, gets contact. If his, you know, finish through contact rate is that high, something's telling me he might be getting, you know, the, the foul drawn rate, isn't it so high? I know Mm -hmm. those aren't directly, you know, correlated, but something tells me he's not getting all the calls that maybe he should, but he's still finishing incredibly well, incredibly efficiently at this point in his career is absolutely ridiculous. And I wonder, maybe I'll go back and look at this later, but the percentage of rim shots unassisted, uh, I feel like it's probably lower than it usually. I, I don't know if he got this many opportunities cutting with a Mark Gasol or other players on other teams, but, uh, Quickly, just kind of moving on, wrapping up the rest of the offense stuff, um, other categories, uh, off ball movement. I think this is funny. LeBron, LeBron just doesn't move, right? He's 0.2 cuts per game. But when he cuts, he has an 83% field goal percentage, you know, his cut field goal percentage. It's just like we've mentioned on the pod, like LeBron doesn't cut unless he knows he's getting the ball. And if he knows he's getting the ball, he's probably scoring. So yep. like that, I just want more LeBron cuts, you know, his movement impact per 75 possessions, 91st percentile, A grade. I think we can find more easy baskets for him, but it might require him, uh, you know, moving a little bit more, which he's not uh, really well known to do. Right. And we know that it's not just him like cutting on his own by looking at there's a, a flash cut versus screen cut ratio in there. And he's about two to one in terms of his cuts coming from screens. So like back screens compared to just you know, LeBron cuts to the rim and you pass it to him and he scores. So that tells me that he's probably not getting that many just like flash cuts um, where where somebody's coming from the three point line and he's he's sprinting in and they I don't know, Marcus all feeds him out as he cuts to the rim or something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, moving on a little bit and obviously, like, sorry, Bron. Solid offensive rebounding numbers. It's okay when he gets in there. Uh, he has a, a putback impact, you know, B+. Plus. Uh, he's good at getting contested rebounds when he goes for them. This is one thing I noticed, Tim, too, and I'll bring it up more on the defensive end for these guys, but a lot of guys on this team have a really good loose ball recovery rate, at like KCP, Markeev, Kuzma, like really good, really, really good. So it's just... Uh, a, a consistent theme I'm seeing is that a lot of these ancillary guys know that shit. I'm diving on the ground for that ball. I'm getting these loose balls. Those quote unquote mm-hmm. 50, 50 balls skew a lot better for the Lakers in a lot of ways. But one of my favorite things on this entire B ball index page, and I'm sorry, I know we're spending forever on Braun. He's a big part of our team. So we'll, we'll get past him and get to AD soon. I promise. But 
how you break down who LeBron guards and the different roles that he guards is really informative to me. And it's so I just it tells you how the Lakers have used him and they've been parking him on the stationary shooters 26.7% of the time. That's a big number. And in a lot of the uh, breakdowns you see in this metric, there's, you know, almost 15 categories here. Uh, most of them, they're, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine percent, you know, mixed in here and there. A couple random plays where you get matched up on a Damian Lillard or, a, you know, an Andre Drummond, a big like that. But LeBron is fairly consistent. He's going to guard the stationary shooters. Uh, and his second most common one is stretch bigs. Uh <laughs> He, what's funny to me, Tim, he's guarding stationary shooters 26.7% of the time, 97 percentile, and he is an 11% percentile F grade in three-point contest per 75 possessions. Can you help me with that? So LeBron's guarding the stationary shooters but not contesting three-point shots. Is that, am I getting that right? I, I think you're getting that right. Yeah, that's that that was surprising to me is to see as well. Yeah, I guess he's not contesting a whole lot of threes. I think part of this is that he is very much a helper on defense. He's that right. free safety, reads the play. He's going to rotate over. And for a team that has weaker shot blocking, I think he's taken it upon himself. And it's not always translated to blocks themselves, but uh, he's... And, and actually, as I say this, I'm looking at his interior defensive data. No, he's not all contesting all that it's many okay. shots at the rim. So yeah. I, I don't know. This is a great question. He's guarding a lot of those dudes that uh, are just kind of spacing the floor. Lots of stationary shooters, lots of stretch bigs. I guess the way I'd, inter- I'd interpret it is he's not locking them down. They're not getting shots off is, is potentially mm. what that could mean. Or he's running them off the three-point line. I think that along with the fact that he does do a lot of rotating and with the Lakers scheme this year, it's, you know, not just guard your man. It's you. If there's a ball screen, you have to be ready to move to wherever you need to go. I think that's part of it as well. Uh, it's just it, I'm not saying it's like, oh, God, LeBron contest a three. Why don't you? You know, it's it's yeah. uh, just kind of funny to dig into the data and be like, wait, is this a thing? Like, I'll have to keep an eye on that. But mm-hmm. we know LeBron can Get a habit of ball watching off ball sometimes as great as he is on ball. And and think and look at his perimeter defensive data in terms of how far he's running per game. It's lower than 97 percent of players. And if you look at who he's defending, the types of players he's defending, even then he's still lower than 99 percent of players in terms of how much he's moving. So that's not necessarily bad running like more activity doesn't necessarily translate to impact. I see this and I see his impact data on defense looking good. And I'm like, all right, this is fine. I like this. He's conserving himself on defense. We kind of see that with the numbers based on who he's guarding, how much he's running around. And I think those relate to each other as well. He's not chasing Steph Curry around. He's not chasing Davis Bertans around screens. He's guarding stationary shooters. He's guarding stretch bigs. These aren't guys that are going to really pressure him physically. That I think helps uh, retain the uh, you know the the stamina of a guy who carries such an offensive load like he does and allows him to be good in that little bit smaller defensive role this year while still being really strong in the still very large offensive role. So I don't see this as an issue. I just see these as little contextual details that yeah. uh, help paint the the picture of truly what's going on and it's working and it's smart. 
And for now, at least, it's a regular season basketball answer to, you know, a playoff basketball question that might look a little bit different. But uh, along those lines, Tim, one of the things I love, too, is the way that you break down the defensive matchup matchups into usage tiers. So showing that like this guy uses the the possessions often, you know, so you're guarding, you know, a high impact offensive player, uh, at least per usage. So and for LeBron, he's guarding usage tier three and four most of the time. So and even usage tier six, you know, guys who just don't get used are usually going to have LeBron get parked onto them. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we see that translate to his matchup difficulty, which looks at the average offensive impact of the guys that he's defending as well as the weighted average usage rate of the players he's guarding. He's a D plus grade in matchup difficulty. He is, I mean, being about as hidden as you can be for a guy playing the minutes LeBron plays, we don't see a lot of high volume, high minute guys defending matchups that are that easy. It's usually like bench players guarding bench players where you end up seeing that lower matchup difficulty. So again, LeBron's doing a great job. This is telling us that the Lakers are setting him up well to succeed defensively and retaining his strength for offense through the way they're deploying him on defense. All right, man. So much to dig through. Is there anything big? I mean, I mean, I just last thing I'll mention on my end and I'll open it to you if I missed anything that you want to talk about, but literally every player impact stat that you have out there your 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 lebrons your rpms your raptors your your rapms your box plus minus everyone's a a a a the only thing that has them under an a is the offensive raptor which is at a b plus lebron james my man holy cow he's i mean he's doing it again He's putting up another MVP caliber season and MVP contender caliber season. I think he's dipped a bit, certainly. And we see that translate to the LeBron impact to data. He's kind of fallen. He's he's hanging on to that top tier, but he's a little bit below where Embiid, Jokic and Giannis are right now in that race, at least according to that metric. And I think we've kind of seen that over the past week or two of games before the break. Um He's carrying a big load and he's still doing it really well. So it's about, you know, preserve this guy to the playoffs, play as well as you need to. And he's still playing pretty damn well. So, yeah, really good call out. I love how we have a bunch of different metrics on here. And like there are certainly ones I like more than others. Like I'm going to look at LeBron. I'm going to look at Raptor. Uh, we need to get estimated plus minus EPM on here. That's a good one, but they don't let you scrape their site. So that's a pain in the butt. So we're going to have to try to find a way to get that data. Um like BPM, real plus minus. Those are some of that. I, those are ones I don't use as much because of the limitations I know they have or questions I have with their methodology. But even with them, there's pretty general consensus that this guy's doing a really, really good job this year from an impact standpoint. All right, man. So why don't you uh, start us off with uh, breaking down AD stuff and I'll kind of try and chime in here with some, some stuff uh, I have some questions about. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to let's what this is what I'm thinking we'll do. We'll, we'll hop around a little bit within AD. I, I want to hit some of the key areas that I think he's important to the Lakers and then kind of check in and see how see how he's doing there. So with AD, we want him as a post scorer, a facilitator, a versatile defender, a finisher, and then, you know, maybe some shooting if he can give it to you from a post perimeter one on one standpoint, his volume this year. We talked about LeBron. I think he was 98th percentile volume, 80, 96th percentile volume, 81st percentile effective field goal percentage. He uh, 
is turning the ball over a good bit. D plus turnover rate. He's not drawing as many fouls as he generally does. D foul rate. But his impact is still really high, 95th percentile, due to the efficiency and the volume that he's giving you. That turnover rate and that foul rate are below his standards. And I think where we see this on film is that extra help on the perimeter isolations, the extra help Mm -hmm. on the post-ups that lead to him having to take shots further out on post-ups than he normally would. Like he's not getting to the rim as much on his post-ups because of that extra help, which means he's not going to be drawing as many fouls. And because there are extra hands in there digging at the ball um, and, and causing, you know, waiting for him to spin baseline to, to draw charge, things like that are going to lead to that higher turnover rate we see. So that's the place where the numbers in the film intersect and paint a pretty clear picture of, Hey, he's still doing a really good job, but there are a couple areas we can still optimize a bit better. From a playmaking standpoint, his uh, playmaking quality, his passing creation quality is the lowest it has been since 2015, 2016. It had been 90th percentile or above every year since then. Um, This year is in the low 80s, so still very high, still very good. Um, But in the low 80th percentile uh, for passing creation quality also speaks to the fact that you know we're not really running plays for him to be passing to dudes and when he's getting double teams when he's drawing that second defender the Lakers haven't uh, been as organized at finding the right open looks and they're getting better and, and it's a process and I'm sure they'll do a great job here for the second half of the season but that's another area that I expect to see take an uptick because he's underperformed so far this year relative to what he's normally doing so fix some of those post help counters I see that as going way up. He's he's um, even got a poop emoji in his playmaking, Tim. Does he? Which where is that one? I have him as a poop and passing versatility. Oh, okay. So th- let me add some context there. So passing versatility, that is a stat that tells us kind of how well you're seeing the floor and what kinds of passing situations you're used in. For big men, that that's usually very low. It's and you can like Jokic. He is a great passer, low versatility, but that doesn't like that doesn't really detract too much. But it, it, we also know he's not out there like running a bunch running, of ball screens. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So generally, the guys who are scoring high in the versatility are the ones that are your like point guards and your shooting guards, running ball screens, seeing the floor, making skip passes, post entries, transition pass aheads, those sorts of things. He's not quite there. AD is not that guy. And we see this a little bit on film where there are certain types of yeah. passes he may not be making up to where we would prefer. And we we see it a little bit with uh, LeBron, too. He's still very high. I think he was an A-. minus, But he's, you know, made that skip pass a little bit less than, than yeah. he potentially could have to start this season. So that is what that versatility stat looks like. For a big man like AD, I'm not concerned. That's just one piece of the puzzle, but that's an important piece of the puzzle that tells us how he's being used as a passer. Okay, right on. So, I mean, his post play, you know, I know you said ISO, post play, a little bit tied. I mean, he's getting a lot of his touches from the post, 23%, mm-hmm. you know, a, it, it's an A grade, 92nd percentile. Uh, he's not drawing a ton of fouls on those, but he's getting passes out of it and his posted up impact is still quite good. So that all, you know, feels got, I gotta say, Tim, it also feels like, you know, last year that I saw Anthony Davis, like play real minutes for the Lakers. So I'm I'm trying to remember what this all looks like. Uh Uh, but, uh, what else about his offensive game? Like, holy roll gravity, Batman. Um, this guy, <laughs> this guy is a is a is a rim, you know, uh, pressurer. 
Yep. Yeah, and we see that translate in the numbers. He his rim gravity, 99th percentile. He's good from a screen assist standpoint. His roll impact, oh, his pop impact. Assists. He's he's kicking butt in a lot of these areas. He's no Rudy Gobert with screen assists, um, <laughs> but but he does a pretty good job and is is a little bit stronger in some other areas. But uh, we we see from his roll gravity data, he's very active and he's been very effective there. In terms of his finishing, which is another important piece of his game, his getting to the rim rating, uh, which is looking at like his self-created shots at the rim per, I think, 100 possessions offensively. So Anthony Davis, in terms of getting to the rim, because this is another important thing he does, uh, an area that we had talked about earlier in the year and Alex Regla had called out in his Throwdowns article is getting to the rim. And that's something that AD's always been very good at. And this year, he's got a D-plus grade, 35th percentile. Now, once he's there, when he's trying to finish at the rim, he's still he's done a really good job. Well. Yeah, he's, he's finishing well. Yeah, he's finishing very well. Yeah, he's just not getting he's there. Just not as getting much. there, right? And right. I think you can, uh, like, like stepping back, not looking at the film, you can be like, ah, well, maybe he's tired. Maybe he's not trying. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, like you, you can throw out some ideas. I think to different extents, some of those are true and make sense. Some of it from what we saw is, again, that like post help, that perimeter isolation help. Extra dudes are coming at him in a way that he's not able to turn what would normally be shots at the rim. Like a post up is usually a shot at the rim. For AD, a lot of times, it ends up being like a mid-range jumper. And that is going to hurt him in an area like this, especially for a guy who gets as many, uh, as much of his post, as much of his offense from the post. Uh, when he's driving, he's been good from a pass out standpoint. He's finishing right. through contact pretty well. He's drawing he just pass fouls out very, very often. well. When he passes, that's true. D minus pass out rate. When he passes out, <laughs> usually somebody's pretty open. Um, so maybe he has a, a little bit higher threshold for when he's willing to pass out. And and what I've noticed with him is even fr- from going back and logging those post help possessions, even when extra help comes, he's still doing a decent job. Like send two guys at LeBron or Trez, they're struggling to score in the post. AD still scoring at like an okay rate, which is just incredibly impressive. Um, so yeah, I, I think that plays into this. As a finisher, he's done well. He can do better. We've seen him do better. And a big piece of it is that getting to the rim because you can score really well at the rim, but if you can't get there, it's not all that important. But if you, we need him to be himself, um, part of that is getting him back up and healthy. Part of that is X's and O's. But if you can truly unlock AD and let him be the beast he is with the ball handling he has at the size he is with the the craft he has around the rim, we can see that playoff caliber type guy in this the second half of this regular season. So that's another uh, important area for him. And then we get to the perimeter shooting, which uh, has not been, not been great. And going into the year, we had you know, somewhat high hopes. He was coming off of a playoffs where he shot pretty well, but he's also coming off a history as a three-point shooter that isn't the most impressive. Here here are his three-point shot making ratings the last five seasons. 40th percentile, 27th percentile, 44th percentile, 42nd percentile, 37th percentile. So not like bad, all of them, but a little bit below average. So it's somebody that you would want to be feeding some high quality looks and they'll convert on those. If you give them tough looks, if you give them LeBron looks with below average three-point shot making, you're not going to be getting good percentages. And his three-point shot quality this year is down from last season. Last season, it was still poor. It was 26th percentile. This year, it's lower than 84% of players, 16th percentile. Um, And 
that hurts him. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's 22nd percentile. These numbers updated a little bit. 22nd percentile. So he's taking really tough shots, and he's also not overperforming on them, which leads to his Ds and D pluses and D minuses for three-point percentages. So that is a piece of his game that doesn't help him um, and I, I think hurts his ability to get at at to the rim, get to the rim, score at the rim because you don't need to respect his three point shooting as much. But we do know teams are respecting it because that shot quality is just so so darn hard. So that's it for offense. What were we going to say, Tom? No, I was just going to throw in that you know at least what I try to think about with three point shooters at least is how can you use that gravity right? And I know you use you know the the three point gravity here that. Uh, it looks like it's created by Andrew Patton. Shouts to him. You know, just giving you an idea for, does this guy still draw attention? And, you know, mm-hmm. excuse me, I'm going to try and say something smart. So I'm sorry. If there's a massive delta, I think I'm saying that right. But to yeah. me, how well you shoot versus how much attention you're drawn, you're still effective to some degree. You know what I mean? Yeah. And helping the rest of your team. Yeah. That that's very insightful. That is that's spot on. He has a C three point gravity for seventy five possessions, and which is an awful F, middle of the pack. Which is an awful yeah middle of the pack compared to like D three point shot making or F perimeter shooting talent grade. So that's I mean you're spot on there. He's still drawing the defense's attention even though from a conversion standpoint he's not where you'd want him to be. So that still has some value. We'd still love to see that uptick. I just don't know how much to expect him to improve. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about Wes Matthews later. He's a guy that had been shooting really well up until this season. Um, AD hadn't really been there. Uh, so I don't know if you want to look at a, a hot start to this this season or a hot playoffs last season and try to assume that's what's going to carry over. It very, mel- very well may be what carries over, but... All indications right now from a numbers standpoint say that it, we shouldn't expect AD to suddenly become a hot three-point shooter. Maybe he'll do it for certain stretches of the season, and hopefully the playoffs are just one of those stretches. So, so la- yeah, last thing really quick, Tim, I just want to mention really good offensive rebounding numbers from contested offensive rebound percentage to uh, adjusted offensive rebound success rate. AD is really effective on the offensive glass. I just wanted to drop that in there uh, as far as the offense, but please feel free. No, good call out. So, all right. So let's talk versatility because that is a big piece of Anthony Davis's defensive game. He's a good rim protector. He's a good, very good perimeter defender for a big when he's not asked to be all he can be, he's not going to have the impact he could potentially have. And this is one reason why going from regular season AD to playoff AD, we see his defensive impact take a jump. Um, Looking at this regular season, just based on how often he's been guarding point guards, shooting guards, small forwards, yada, yada. Just looking at the percentages, not effectiveness, just what he's asked to do. What is his job? His defensive versatility this year ranks 308th in the NBA. Last season, it was a good bit higher. So this year, he's not being asked to do what we know he can do. And his versatility is, is kind of in hibernation right now until the playoffs. And that's okay. Just know that that's going to mean his defensive impact is lower than it could in theory be. And that's the next thing I'd like to talk about. Uh, We've talked about some of the offensive areas. We've talked about some of the defensive areas. Let's talk about AD's impact. His overall impact from uh, our LeBron metric. Let me pull it up because we just updated it recently before I took my notes. Last season, 
he was eighth in the NBA from an impact standpoint. Overall, he was 20th for offensive impact. He was 19th for defensive impact. Top 20 guy, you don't have to be like a top five guy in 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 both. You can be a true two-way player and just kind of be like top 20 for both and have that be enough to be a top 10 overall player. And I think that'll result in like some of the more casual fans not recognizing that greatness that you have because mm. defense doesn't appear to be weighted as much and, and stuff like that. But he is a very good player and he's been very, very impactful as I chew up some time and finally get the data pulled up. So this year, Anthony Davis is eighth in overall impact. He was eighth last season. He's eighth this season. So even though he started slow and all of these things about how he's struggling, he's been about as impactful last this year as he was last year. From an offensive impact standpoint, he ranks 21st. He was 20th last year. From a defensive okay. impact standpoint, he ranks 16th. He was 19th last year. He, you know, for all the gnashing of teeth, he's about where he was last season for, for com- compared to this year. Coming off of that short offseason where he was playing like a god in the playoffs, he hasn't been at that level. And I think that's where people are seeing the drop off. But he's been who he was in the past. So this changes my perspective a little bit. I, I, I This makes me ask questions like, is this a, AD? Is AD, and you know, get him some more rest, he'll, he'll boost a little bit. But is Anthony Davis this top 10 guy? Or is he some top three or four player like we saw him play for, you know, a dozen games or so in the playoffs? And he's in reality, he's probably this guy. But as I was saying uh, a couple minutes ago, that defensive impact, even though it's 16th right now, was 19th last season. That's regular season. Once we get to the playoffs and he's asked to be more versatile and you start seeing him all over the court all of a sudden and that defensive versatility, which is 308th this year, jumps up to like fifth that's when you get to see AD unlocked. So I'm okay with this AD and cruise control. I don't care if people are complaining about it. If he can do this, be healthy and get to the playoffs and then flip that switch from a versatility standpoint, I'm I'm feeling really good about AD. Let me ask you a couple questions really quick about AD's defense. Um, so he's primarily guarded fours this year, you know, almost half the time. Uh, breaking down some of the offensive archetypes he, he's guarded, uh, you know, stationary shooters also 21%, stretch bigs 18.5%. Is there like the way I'm reading this is less like they're hiding him the way that the LeBron numbers read, but it's not too far off. Am I reading that wrong or is it just a, a different kind of factor for a big like him? It, this is a he's a big he's like a power forward. He's being used right. as a power forward. We see his numbers guarding first little bigs, post scores, rolling cut bigs, stretch bigs, all above average. Um, 65th, 67th, 68th, 94th percentile. So he is he's guarding the big man roles a lot. Among wing positions, he's guarding stationary shooters the most. And a lot of stationary shooters turn out to be like power forwards that just kind of yeah. stretch the floor or small forwards who are bigger. Um, so that makes some sense to me. We don't see him guarding primary ball handlers, secondary ball handlers as much. Um, he does some shot creator defense. Um, he'll guard slashers a little bit, but he's primarily guarding who you would expect a power forward to guard. So I'm not concerned about this, but I think this does hit back to the fact that he's not being asked to be versatile right now. And once we get to the playoffs, we may see that change like we have in the past. So I think it's an it's an interesting call out that you make because it's somewhat similar to how LeBron's been guarding positions with those two positions. But for the other 
what do we have 10 or so um right. it's more big man type defense for ad whereas with lebron it was more wing type defense yeah and obviously uh ad very impactful on the defensive glass as well um you know not only defensive rebounds per game but his uh adjusted defensive rebound success rate you know real adjusted defensive his, rate it's, it's yeah all those good. are the, yeah it's all very good his de- adjusted defensive rebounding success rate that's his win rate when he's fighting for a, a defensive rebound he pulls in 72 percent of them um yeah. he's winning three out of every four and that's better than 85 percent of nba players that 71.6 percent win rate is about four and a half percent higher than we would expect so not only is he converting at a high rate he's converting even higher than the expectation would be given the circumstances that he's in um so individually as a rebounder he's kicking butt and then from a real adjusted defensive rebounding rate which is kind of like RAPM calculations where you look at combinations of players and team performance and seeing how including him versus taking him out impacts the team's success he's higher than 97 percent of players there so Individual rebounding, team rebounding, he's kicking a lot of butt on the defensive boards. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, so I think it's a good time to move on. We promise we will be faster with the rest of the players. <laughs> Simply, Tim, because, you know, KCP's uh, roll gravity is, you know, 0.1 per game. So there's a lot of... No, I'm serious. Like, there's like all these two guys are relevant in every facet of Lakers basketball offense and defense and the rest of these guys aren't. So we'll have a little bit less to talk about. We'll go a little bit quicker, but we'll try and touch on everybody uh, after the, after this break real quick. Life is too short to sleep between anything less than really nice sheets, but maybe you looked at some retailers and calculated the years of interest you'd pay on just one set and gave up. Trust me, go check out Brooklinen. So Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident that you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code LAKERS25 to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code LAKERS25 to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. So hit up that link, brooklinen.com, and use our promo code LAKERS25 at checkout and tell them that you came from us. All right, Tim, coming back in from the break, uh, I had the pleasure of going over my man, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. I pined for him to get a little bit more minutes right before he, you know, had a pretty awful game, so that feels bad. But, uh, you know, he's getting about 26 minutes a game. He started, you know, every game he's played in. I, I don't know. Like, basically, Tim, I feel like looking offensively at his perimeter shooting box and like nothing else is like relevant to me. Maybe some finishing. 
You know, he's got a little bit of playmaking here and there, but like, is there anything like Tim? He has 0.3 roll man possessions per 75. Like, is that <laughs> should we talk about that, about KCP's roll man? There's no, there's there's nothing going on here. I'm looking at I'm I'm trying to find something to talk about. He's he's an off-ball mover. He has a yes. high off-screen share, high off-screen effective field goal percentage. He's scoring points away from the ball, catching and shooting, either standing still, off motion, or using different screens. So it's that in its in its threes. That that is his game, and we don't have to dig in to him too too deeply. I will note, so you called out his percentage of threes open. I, I think he's a really good example of where just your openness itself is one piece of the shot quality puzzle, but it doesn't tell the whole story mm. because you, you when we talk about his openness rating, he's got a degrade there and that's not good. So you're like, oh, he's taking tough shots, but 88% of his shots, 88% of his threes are catching and shooting. 48% of his threes are corner threes. A lot of them are stationary. His overall three-point shot quality is an A grade. So there's a little bit of a disconnect between like you're open versus not as open and like you're still actually getting pretty good shots. And that comes down to like crunching a bunch of numbers on like the the basically the effective um, the expected shooting percentages in all kinds of different situations. But he's a good situation where we can look at that and say, you know, he's he's getting really high quality based on like the kind of types of looks he's getting. But within those catch and shoot corner threes, he's still been pretty highly contested. So I think the answer is kind of somewhere in between in that we can do a little bit better job getting him high quality looks. But we're trying to get him those those catch and shoot corner threes still taking a bunch of above the break threes but what what do you think about his three-point shooting so far this year i mean it's good every everywhere you look at it like he doesn't take Mm -hmm. in very many but it's good on pull-ups a a percentile catch and shoots you know above the break corner like you said so he's he's shooting well and yes this is after he started on fire and has had a a rough couple weeks but I guess like look at the gravity too to me. The gravity is still good. He's drawing attention. And I think what that says to me is that he he's just used to shooting quickly as guys close out, you know, right in his face and he's good at it. But it's would he be even better with an extra second or so mm-hmm. with that pin and flare screen on the weak side that you always bring up, you know, a lot of other little pet plays. So and I look at Tim, you mentioned his off ball movement. When I look at his data, I think, like, man, should we have more pet plays for KCP just to get him like just throw in a floppy set just to get the student to touch every six minutes because mm-hmm. his huge is just so low, you know, for the when he gets the ball, he's going to you know, swing it or shoot right away are his kind of options. He doesn't drive, you know, he doesn't play make. And this is the specific role he's set with the Lakers. But is there other ways to use him in the movement game a little bit better to keep him involved when teams aren't just letting him have that, you know, opposite corner three anymore? Yeah, he's been they've been trying to get him involved in the same ways that is just more like a result of other people doing stuff than like actually being active about getting him involved. Uh, And that results in, you know, similar corner three looks, catch and shoot above the break looks that just aren't as open as they are when 80s out there, LeBron's out there and things are clicking. 
I think running him in some different sets can help. Uh, and, and we can dig into that. We've, we've kind of talked about it. It's a lot of the same stuff. It's, you can get an extra two or three pin in flare screen, kick out uh, weak side threes for him uh, based on how teams are defending the Lakers in the post. And I think that's like a very legitimate way to get him easy looks. And you can do that with Trez in the post. You can do that with AD. You can do that with LeBron, even with Keith in there sometimes. Like these are types of looks that don't require you to have a bunch of ball handling or playmaking. It's that is the read. If the help is coming from the weak side, or if, if, if the help that's coming is, is making that weak side vulnerable. So I'd love to see that little tweak because that one little change there will get him more threes a game. It'll be more consistent regardless of if our guards are healthy or not, regardless of if LeBron's out there or not, or if AD's posting up or not. That post offense has been pretty consistent, even when AD has been out. The Lakers still use it a lot. So lean into that. Know that, you know, we need to be passing out of some of these situations when they're bringing extra help and put your one guy that you can trust in those situations in that uh, opposite corner weak side spot. So I think that's one little tweak. We can talk about, you know, floppy sets and more flare screens, pin down, stuff like that. The Lakers use some of it. I think they could use more. But if we want to keep it simple, that is one thing they already do that they can do way more that would get him some good, easy looks. Defensively with KCP, 85th percentile in terms of guarding shot creators. That's not I don't like that. I don't want that, Tom. He's 90th percentile guarding movement shooters. So he's he's chasing dudes around. If someone's to be chased, he's going to chase him. But in terms of defending shot creators, that's more than I would prefer to see. This is where I thought Kuz would be doing stuff or where LeBron might be doing stuff, which he hasn't, or where AD might be helping out. He hasn't. This is where Wes Matthews might be carrying the load. He hasn't been playing. So again, just like last season, KCP has been handling a lot of the burden of defending shot creators, and I don't like it. And I think it hurts him defensively. I think it hurts the team defensively. Um, But despite that, his defensive impact metrics look pretty good. And he's still pretty good at the things he's been in the past. Like that passing lane defense is still decent. Like you mentioned before, that loose ball recovery rate's really high. He's getting a lot of steals, deflections. He's running around the court. Um, A ton. And part of that's guarding movement shooters. But Mm -hmm. that these are, I mean, these numbers align really well with the film. I know how KCP is playing defensively. And this is telling me that it's reaffirming my beliefs, uh, at least with him, that he could be used a little bit better, but he's still doing a lot of the things he's good at. And he's having impact in the ways that we know he can be impactful in terms of generating turnovers and chasing dudes around screens. And looking at his uh, matchups, like he's guarding usage tier one, two, and three in in that order of how frequently he's guarding them. So he's guarding the stars. Maybe it's not as realistic or pragmatic for me to expect him to to run more on offense when he's doing so much on defense. So that's some good context to consider for what I'm asking is like, you know, I never think KCP just like slums it out there. That dude's always mm-hmm. when he sees there's a play to make, like he sprints into it. You know, um, one thing I, we didn't mention uh, in offense, I just want to quickly touch on that. He's not hasn't been great in transition. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. 52 percentile and points per possession. One point one one. I'd like to see that come up a little bit, but um KCP, man, he's he's a star in his role. He knows what he's good at. You know, the defensive 
advanced metrics like him. Defensive LeBron, he's 75th percentile. Uh, defensive Raptor is more in the middle, 45th percentile. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. I wouldn't say he's as high as, you know, 75th percentile overall, but I wouldn't say he's just about league average either, slightly below. I think it's slightly above league average on, in defensive impact. But um, no, he's doing the job, the basically same job he did last year and fitting the same role. And I don't know, I just want to see, you can't always stand pat, right? I want to see them grow and find other ways to, to, to make him useful, but. We got a lot more guys to go through, Tim. So who's next on uh, on your list? Let's talk about Alex Caruso, the guy who does all the little things, who, you know, he'll hit some threes and he'll play some good defense. This season, he's apparently a sharpshooter or maybe, maybe not. Um, looking at our perimeter shooting database, Alex Caruso has been getting the third highest quality shots of any player in the league this season, which has led to some of those higher three-point percentages. His shot making is still, it's 69th percentile. It's pretty good. That's better than it was last season. It's on par with what it was two seasons ago, just on way higher quality. Um, So he's an okay three-point shooter that's getting really, really good looks, and that's translating to good percentages. The other side of his game is that defensive uh, defensive prowess, prowess he bring, brings, the rotating, all those little things, taking charges, and we see a lot of that. We see it in his matchup difficulty. He's in, I think, the, the low 30s in terms of uh, taking on harder matchups. Um, we see him being pretty versatile, A minus grade there from a versatility standpoint in terms of guarding one through five. Uh, as a finisher, I think we've seen him be asked to do more then he's generally capable of and it's still like lower volume so some of the numbers look a little wonky but he's driving a lot he's passing out or not driving a lot he's driving an okay bit he's passing out a ton on drives which aligns with what we talked about a pot or two ago where like he'll be running that ball screen lebron sets the screen for him and then ac doesn't drive off that screen looking to score he's kind of driving off just looking to wait a second or two to pass it to LeBron. And that's not exactly where you want him to be. So we can see some improvement there. As a playmaker, his quality has been pretty good. His efficiency has been okay. Um, I think that at least least means he's like being a good ball mover. Um, He's been asked to do a little bit more than I'm super comfortable with him doing, but he's done a decent job at it. It's just not him at his best self. I think defensively, killing it, Passing lane defense, A grade. Pickpocket rating, his on ball steal rates, A grade. Loose ball recovery rate, B grade. Deflections, Um, A grade. He's all over the place. Yeah, he's he's impacting the court uh, in a lot of different ways. He's guarding primary ball handlers a bunch. He's even guarding movement shooters a good bit. Um, he is, I think, just doing a really good job. And we see that translate to him having an A-minus defensive LeBron from a defensive impact standpoint, A-minus. His offensive impact is a D-plus for LeBron, for Raptor to C-plus. He's okay. He's knocking down the easy shots. Um, not adding a ton else and hasn't been super optimized given how he's needed to step up with some guys being hurt here and there. Uh, his offensive archetype as a whole has been a stationary shooter. So that's not an offensive role that generally has much upside. We don't see offensive uh, stationary shooters really adding a whole lot big picture. So as long as he's used in that way, it's kind of limiting his floor. It's limiting his ceiling. And he's just kind of asked to do a little bit, knock down open threes and play good defense. And I think he's done a pretty good job with that so far this year. I think one of the things I'd like to see a lot, a little bit more of is some of those movements, his cutting, um, 
is is you know really not where I think it could be. Not cutting mm-hmm. a ton. He is traveling a ton of miles, you know, on defense compared to most players, 93rd percentile. So same thing as KCP. Um, and I think this is a, a theme you see with a lot of Lakers role players is, you know, they, they move a lot on defense and they don't on offense, like at all. There's, there's not, there's not a ton of movement in the Lakers offense. Um, but Caruso, yeah, he's ad, as advertised, uh, the advantages he brings you on defense outweigh the, some of the limitations he may have on offense. And he's still like, Good spot up points per possession, 82nd percentile, uh, you know, dump offs, um, cuts, 76 and 62nd percentile, respectively. So there's some, you know, ways to use him on the margins, but it's just kind of so, you know, spattered throughout the game that it doesn't make a huge impact on offense. Um, but yeah. He's at his advertised man. This perimeter defense box is uh, is something else. Yeah, lots of A's. He's he's really good at the things he's good at. He and there are a lot of things he just isn't even league average at. So for him, it's about asking him to do the right things. And for the most part, the Lakers have done that. All right, moving on. Let's bring up uh, Kyle Kuzma here. Uh, Kuzma's top talent areas: offensive rebounding, perimeter shooting, interior defense, defensive rebounding. Um, this is curious, Tim. He's more of a small forward on offense, but more of a shooting guard on defense. Uh, so looking at Kuz's data, like his three-point percentage is is pretty good, 36.5 overall, and it's fairly consistent outside of the pull-up three-pointers. And not a ton of pull-up three-pointers in the sample yet. He's not shooting great on him. Again, Kuz, I want you to catch, shoot, fire, and, you know, keep, you know, cutting uh he's not doing that as much this year uh in comparison he's god he's got a zero percent cut field goal percentage tim i didn't even think that would be possible for a guy like him but we're just not seeing that that volume he's got 0.1 cuts per game and so and and i'll add some context when we look at cuts on these profiles we take away dump offs we're not looking at he stands on the rim and that's a high proportion of what you'll see synergy call cuts most right. of it is dump offs. Very little of it is actual flash cuts or or screen cuts, which which is what we look at here. His now for his dump offs and that points per possession, which we also have on these profiles, he's a C plus. So I mean, it's efficient offense. He's he's a little bit above average at it, but him as a cutter himself hasn't been. Uh, this is something I, I think he's always had a rep for being good at, despite the evidence pointing in the opposite direction. I think a mm. lot of it is in transition. He does a really good job as a slasher. Um, Whereas in the half loud. court game, it, it might just be loud. And when you do it, because even if you're below average at it, you still you generally convert at a high rate because it's you know cutting to the rim. So maybe that influences the eye test for some people. But he's he's always year after year been below average finishing at the rim in cutting situations. Uh, and I, this is just a, a continuation upon that. Interesting. I, I mean, he's really excelling on his off-screen uh, you know, efficiency. Or he's getting a lot of off-screen opportunities, and he's slightly above average yet C-plus grade in his effective field goal percentage. So is that something you want to see a little bit more of, using Kuz off-screen as a shooter and kind of maybe building some more sets around that? Yeah, he's been a guy that has uh, his footwork defensively is very good, and 
translating that to offense, the off-screen stuff is where that comes into play. And he's not quite there from like an IQ, read the defense, and know when to curl or fade or whatever standpoint. And that's okay. You can still have guys operating in those those situations. And then just from a coaching staff standpoint, you need to know, okay, the defense is trailing coups. We're going to call play specifically for him to curl. Or if they're going under, we're going to call a play specifically for him to fade off of that screen. And you just have to set him up in the right positions to succeed. It's not like in football, you don't just call random plays and hope the quarterback and receivers adjust. Like not every play is an option route for every receiver. You call based on what you're seeing the defense do and you attack those weaknesses. You just have to play call a little bit. And if you are willing to play that play calling game with Kuz, you can use him in those off screen situations. And he is a good enough from a footwork and a shooting standpoint to be successful in those as long as you make some of the the decisions up front as a as a play caller. Not a ton of impact through playmaking. Uh, I mean, he'll make an occasional nice swing pass. I mean, his passing creation quality is good, but overall not a severely impactful playmaker. Um, finishing is okay. Is getting to rim rating is not great as a, at a D, uh, but it's kind of always been that way. We've lost kind of floater coups, you know, mm. which we had kind of the first couple of years of his Lakers tenure. But it's probably yeah. for the better. I'm okay with the uh, with that uh, overall. Um, but the last thing I'll mention about his offense is just exceptional offensive rebounding numbers. Um, pretty much top to bottom his putback impact per 75 is not good but he's getting contested offensive rebounds and and has a success rate adjusted offensive su- rebound success rate 54.7 that's 94 percent down the league just really affecting plays uh on that offensive end and and crashing the boards you know from the perimeter and using that length in a way that i don't think i've seen him use until this season Yeah, he and it's good because even though he's still underperforming on those putbacks, it's the activity that matters. Those are free points. Those are getting extra opportunities. And if you convert at a great rate, an average rate or a below average rate, either way, it's free points. So him doing that has been really helpful. Sometimes like it's kind of an automatic thing for him now. Like he's very intentional about doing so. And that's why we it seems to be everywhere because it is everywhere. Sometimes when that's happening, it's not helpful because it's clogging the lane up for other players. If the shot doesn't go up, then you're just sending an offensive and defensive player into the lane, which usually already has a post up big doing something down there. Maybe they have the ball that maybe they don't. But that is the potential downside is if he doesn't time it the right way or he doesn't read what's going to happen. Uh, it can clog the lane. If he does read it correctly, he's going to get offensive board. So you you take the the bad with the good, but for the most part, he's been pretty good. And on his offensive rebounding uh, opportunities, he's succeeded at an above average rate and really helped the team be more active on the boards when he's out there, which is something that's good for a team that as a half court offense has struggled certainly at times during this year. And uh, similarly, his defensive rebounding is is quite good, but defensively, his his biggest assignment is again stationary shooters, twenty one point four percent, and then movement shooters, fifteen point four percent, and secondary ball handlers, fourteen four point four percent, are the three most common uh, offensive archetypes that he defends by percentage. Uh, is that? Is that exactly what you want from him? I don't know. I know we're we're going a little long today, and I don't know, maybe this is a two-parter. We come back and finish out the rest of the roster, but 
you know, we'll get to his interior defense in a second. Is what you've seen from him in his interior defense and ability to protect the rim this year change the kind of ideal offense, uh, defensive role that you think he should be in? No. I want him doing what he's doing, where he's guarding a lot of wings, and if it's a, a stationary shooter or a stretch big, it's kind of like the same sort of defensive assignment. He's guarding movement shooters. He's a little bit mobile on the perimeter. I'm okay with that. I don't want him, because he can rotate well and be a good tertiary rim protector, suddenly taking on a role that's bigger than his skill set there. So I'm okay with him putting up good numbers while not needing to be relied upon in that role. Uh, and that seems to be what he's doing so far this season. Yeah, his interior defense I mean, for the kind of archetype that he's at, it's pretty good. You know, his uh, rim contest for 75 possessions, C grade, but his block rate on contests is an A minus grade. So, mm-hmm. you know, when he's contesting, he's getting a block, you know, a lot of the time, 23.5% of that time. Um, blocks per 75 possession, B grade. This is not the Kyle Kuzma. If I told you this two years ago, Tim, I feel like you'd be like, Kyle who? <laughs> this is Utah Kyle Kuzma. This is like when we were scouting him and I was like, I don't get this pick. I don't understand how he translates. He's a put back and dump off and like he he had a weird thing where second half of his senior season he shot well from three. I was like, I don't I don't get it. I'm not sure where how this guy translates. And then he goes into summer league suddenly being a shot creator, and that translates into his rookie year. That that guy that a lot of Lakers fans saw isn't the guy that Kyle Kuzma was in the past at the college level. And I think the player we're seeing this year is an interesting mix of the two. That at times where he's doing the dirty work and he's finding ways to make himself. He's involving himself rather than needing plays drawn up for him. And given his role and given the team he's on and the players he's playing with, I like it. And it makes a lot of sense. And he's still at the college level. He did a good job with the putbacks and the cuts at the NBA level. He's been underperforming. And that's part of why we see him lower in these impact stats. But big picture, I'm still pleased with what we've seen so far from Kuz. And and I really appreciate the fact that he's figured out more of what he needs to be doing and, and found a way to uh, have that kind of role with this team rather than saying, you know, I'm bigger than this. I don't fit here. I need to get out. Cause that, that could have been an outcome. So this uh, pod is looks like it'll probably be split into two parts. That's my apologies, Tim. When I get this data up in front of me, my brain gets going. I see tangents, you know, I'm seeing ghosts here, man. I've seen dark blues and I'm seeing white F's uh, like, like I'm just so much like it's the Zach Galifianakis data meme, just kind of <laughs> materializing in front of my face. So this is on me. Uh, Why well, did 30 minutes on bra, but you know, Take me to your last guy here and we'll finish up the rest of the roster in a part two pod uh, that'll come in a couple days. Sure. So, and no worries. This is, this is me every day looking at these player profiles because there are like <laughs> 500 of them for every season and we have like seven seasons or so. It's so, so much data and it's updating every day. So you can like, there's no way to be on top of all this at the same time, which is why I just like, please, please buy this data. Pay me five, you know, pay me a coffee to get this access for a month and generate these insights because there's all sorts of stories that aren't being told because 
I'm not a Hawks fan or a Suns fan or a Bucks fan or whatever. And nobody's digging into that data. I mean, some people are, but not enough people are digging into that data the way that I try to dig into the Lakers data and help you guys figure out all those good Lakers storylines. And still through this, just splitting up the roster, you doing half of it, me doing half of it. You're telling me things in the data that I wasn't even realizing. And I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah, that does, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't realize that. So, all right, let's, let's do one more. I'll do one more. And then we'll get out of here because I'm sure the folks want to break. This has been a lot of numbers. Yes. Let's talk Wes Matthews Ooh. because he has been uh, – we, we started with LeBron. We started with AD. Some of the guys, you know, this team's going to need to rely upon. Wes Matthews is a guy that I was hoping the team would be able to lo- rely upon and it just hasn't worked out so far. He has – he came in as a 3 and D type guy, hopefully replacing Danny Green. And just like Danny Green who – before his Lakers tenure, create like really good three-point shot making. After his Lakers tenure with the Sixers this year, really good three-point shot making. For the Lakers, below average three-point shot making. Wes Matthews has been that same sort of guy where he came in in season after season after season, 70s, 80th, 90th percentile every single year until he comes here. And this season, he's just not hitting his threes. And it's not a shot quality issue. This is adjusting for shot quality. And he's getting high quality shots, B plus grade there. He's taking a lot of threes. It's not like it's a smaller part of his game. He's he's taking 78% of his shots are threes. His three-point shot making is just bad this year, a D minus. And wow. he's still putting up like an average three-point percentage. But it's not been what you want, D plus catch and shoot three-point percentage. It's just, it's not where it needs to be. And that means that he's not being impactful because such a big piece of his offense is spacing the floor. He's not a playmaker. He's not a driver. He's not a post player, even though they use him that way. Sometimes there's a lot that he doesn't do offensively. He's not crashing the boards like Kuzma. He's not finishing dump off. So like he, what he does is shoot threes. And right now he's not hitting threes. And that means that his offensive impact is way lower than you would prefer it to be. So, that is kind of where I am with him is there's still plenty of time left, but if he's not hitting threes by the end of the season, if this hasn't gone up a bunch and it very well may because he has every other year of his career, but if it doesn't turn around, you can't play this guy in the playoffs. Um, offensively defensively, that's the other part of his game. And you look at him as someone who's hopefully guarding shot creators and he's been like fourth or fifth on the team in guarding shot creators. Uh, he's, been fairly versatile he's taken on decently difficult matchups his matchup difficulty is in the 81st percentile but he's like fourth or fifth on this team in matchup difficulty and in defensive versatility and that's not quite what i was hoping to see he's he's not a a super active defensive playmaker he's a very good on ball defensive wing stopper kind of guy but defensively his role hasn't been fully optimized and part of that is the fact that he's like a shooting guard sized player that you would need to be playing more in a small forward kind of role, given the types of players who attack that way. He's not really like a point of attack, defend your point guard kind of defender. He's, he's almost like a tweener of on ball defenders in a way that that hurts him and, and makes it so his opportunities will be a little bit more limited. And we've seen that play out with the Lakers. So if the shooting's not there, and he's not doing anything else offensively, and the versatility is way, way down from last season, it's hard to see him making any sort of positive impact. So I think you, you can't cut him out of the rotation just yet. I think the shooting should turn itself around. If we know anything about three-point shot making, it's, I mean, it'll, it'll jump around a little bit, but it's not going to go like 
elite, 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 very good to nothing. Uh, so that should turn itself around. And if it does, suddenly we're talking differently about Wes Matthews, but he has not performed up to the level that I was expecting, even though he's been asked to do a lot of the same things. And defensively, he's similar to last season, hasn't been used the way I'd love to see him used. And realistically, he may not ever be used that way. So I'm a little bit I'm a lot of bit out on Wes Matthews. Just not I haven't closed the door yet, but he's 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 walking out the door from my playoff rotation. Yeah, it's been tough, especially considering that, like we just mentioned, Kuzma's, you know, at least with the rebounding and, you know, a slightly positive rim protection that he provides is just a better answer in more things that he can do. And and he's been doing them better. Um, so I, one thing I want to ask, and uh, I don't think there's anything you're going to say here that, that, you know, blows my brain, but it's like there, Wes has these stretches, right, where he goes – one for 11 over three games and then he has a game where he's five for seven uh is there a kind of three point uh consistency metric of sorts you know like uh just how streaky is this guy I want something like that like he's either gonna make five threes in a game and shoot 60 percent, or make one out of five you know if he even takes five um mm-hmm. so put that aside the other thing is he's also um, but to the point you made about KCP, um, his, his openness, he is open. He's getting open. He's B plus in openness rating, but the percent of his three point attempts that are open. He's a C minus. I, high, sorry. High shot quality, uh, openness itself a little bit lower. Yeah, so you, exactly. You said openness twice. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's yes. taking a lot of catch and shoot threes, which are easier threes. A lot of them are stationary, which are easier threes. Uh, and you know, he's about average in terms of the percentage of time when he's open, but when he's contested, they're, they're usually farther out. He's not heavily contested. Yeah. That's why he has a B plus openness rating, but only a C minus percentage of threes open. That's, that's the differential there. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, you wonder again, like we mentioned, uh, before the season, is this guy, we're going to get some off ball movement from where he can actually shoot a little bit off ball and provide that level of shooting the Lakers didn't really have, but we haven't really seen that. He's still got decent three point gravity, uh, all things considered, but it's been rough, man. And, uh, I want to believe, and I think he does have, uh, signs of these really high basketball IQ steals and kind of duck ins, but it's, not substantial enough to really make a, a an impact uh and, and especially the lineups he's playing against you know these are second units and you know maybe it's one of the starters he's guarding plus the second unit but you know he's not put in the high leverage situations and he's still not performing mm-hmm. yeah it's been disappointing his his from an impact standpoint f offensive lebron He's at a C Oof. defensive LeBron, which is like he's been okay. He's not been really a positive there. Uh, his Raptor data, his real plus minus data, his box plus minus data, all, all of them not looking good. Defensively, he's okay. Offensively, he's been in very much a negative. And again, that comes down to he does one thing and he's not performing well in that one area. And until that changes, he's going to look really, really bad. And if it does, if a switch suddenly flips right now and he starts shooting his threes really well, 
and he slowly climbs that offensive impact back up. And by the end of the season, he's giving you like above average offensive impact and still average defensive impact. That's fine. And you can play that dude and he's going to have his role in series. But if that three's not falling, you just can't play him. I want to give uh, the guy a little bit of a chance to crawl his data back from the lineup of meh. Yeah. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. the taintedness of the lineup of meh, just to see, <laughs> you know, how that might change how things look. But, well, man, way to pick a, a, a real good upper for the last one of this pod, Tim. Um, but I could do a really quick one. I could do uh, Damian Jones. I only have like two points for him. Nah, no, no, no. Let's let's save that. The Lakers just signed him to another 10 day contract today. So we we're going to. <laughs> we have more time. Let's let's, you know, save that for later. But I do like splitting this up, Tim, because I feel like really diving deep again into Trez and Schroeder. So this way we don't have to rush through the conversation because I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about there. Yeah. And and if anyone does want to get a head start on any of that and look at this data yourself, we have these player profiles, like five, I think there are 491 of them now They're for this season. However many players have played, that's how many we have for this year, all the way back to 2013-2014. And then we have our uh, databases for versatility, matchup difficulty, perimeter shooting, uh, playmaking, finishing. We're adding more and more. We have a bunch of stuff on the to-do list. There are like four or five things that are going to be added to the site in the next couple of days. Go on over to B-Ball Index. I've created a special promo code just for this audience. Celtics fans don't get this. Celtics fans, they're they're paying the full five bucks a month or the $52.50 for the year. You guys, I, I, I created two of them, so you can kind of choose your own adventure. If you want 10% off an annual subscription, so you pay $47.25 for the whole year, it's about four bucks a month instead of five bucks a month. You can use Exceptionalism 10 for that 10% off. If you want to give it like a one month, you know, see if you like it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. We'll give you 50% off that first month, 50% off discount first month only. It's five bucks. Normally. So you pay two fifty for the first month. You don't like it. Get rid of it. Um, I promise you're going to like it. The our retention rates, like in the 90th, 90s, 90, mid 90s percentage. Um, and now that we're like actually getting stuff updating and marketing it, the sales have been going through the roof. So I want to get you guys in on this. 50% off that first month, exceptionalism 50. So either exceptionalism 10 for 10% off annual uh, or exceptionalism 50 for 50% off that first month. Um, and if, if you buy this package, we'll add you to the Discord too. You can join that conversation and see all the shenanigans and, and hijinks that's going on in there. Because there's stuff in there that I can't as publicly talk about, but you may have interest in as Lakers fans. Um, we have some good discussions in there. Go ahead, uh, join that community and, and get in on this data so you can do a lot of this analysis yourself. Um, yeah, we could just could not highly recommend any more. And I wouldn't be pushing stuff to you guys that I know uh, it, like isn't this good. I, I promise you're going to like it. No, it's legit. Go check out bball-index.com as well if you want to get a taste of it. And, you know, buy it. Win arguments with your friends. Defeat the trolls online with logic and pragmatism. And uh, go on and be merry. So, Tim, thank you. Uh, Again, I'm sorry for doing like 90 minutes on LeBron by himself, but lots to (laughs) dig into there. But we will be back to finish out the rest of the roster coming up soon. And, uh, you know, get the rest of this uh, Lakers season in the books. Yeah, let's do it. We'll we'll catch up with you guys in a couple days. Uh, in the meantime, so the Lakers play two days from now. So uh, maybe we'll we'll record this maybe that day, and and you'll be able to catch up uh, after hopefully that win over Indiana. We'll we'll see. Sounds good. Well, thanks a lot, y'all. We'll talk to you later.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.